PR is for everyone, not just big shot brands. And even though it may seem daunting and really expensive, you can actually DIY your PR outreach. On this episode, we're talking with a press and media expert to bring you tons of actionable information that you need to get more visibility, more expert status, and of course, more sales. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Do you want 2019 to be the year that you finally create and sell a profitable digital product? I've got good news for you. The first annual Rebel Boss Virtual Summit presented by Deadline Funnel and hosted by me, Eden Freed, is coming your way this February. From February 26th through 28th, 2019, you'll hear from more than 25 of the internet's smartest and most successful digital marketers, product creators, and entrepreneurs who are sharing their best tips and tricks to help you launch your next profitable digital product. Tickets are 100% free. Just head to rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to the virtual summit. Again, that's rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to 2019's premier digital product event. See you there. Welcome back, Rebels. You're going to love today's topic. We're talking about all things PR. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm not ready for PR. I'm not a big shot. I don't have a huge audience. Well, guess what? PR is not exclusively for the big shot companies and brands out there. It's for everyone. And in fact, no matter where you are in your journey right now, PR is something that you should be focusing on. Arguably, it's the only thing you should be focusing on. And on the show today to talk about PR and how you can DIY your PR and how you can use PR to help build an audience and expert status to sell your digital products is none other than Catherine. Catherine is the creator of the influencer space called Slightly Savvy, which specializes in influencer relations and press and media. She's also the host of the Swipe Up podcast. Now, before launching her own business, Catherine was actually the director of marketing and communication for HGTV's Property Brothers. How cool is that? And while she was there, she managed publicity, influencers, and media. And before that, Catherine managed the brand of an Inc. 500 fastest growing company while landing press in places like BuzzFeed, Forbes, Good Morning America, and more. Now Catherine brings all of that expertise to influencers and bloggers, people just like you, to help them grow their own profitable businesses. Because honestly, without PR, you're nobody. Without those press and media mentions, no one's going to know who you are or what you do or you how you can help them. So PR really is important, but it's not as scary as it seems. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Catherine's going to break down PR in a really simple easy to follow method that you're going to be able to completely DIY. So without further ado, please welcome Catherine to the show. Hey, Catherine, welcome. Really excited to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, so let's start at the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your story and kind of your journey from working for somebody else to working for yourself. Yeah. So I got involved in PR slightly by accident when I was in college. I was in my sorority and I desperately wanted to be 
um, the recruitment chair. I wanted to head up recruitment and um, do all of that, but I got slated and voted for um, to be our VP of PR. I still wanted to live in my sorority house and I still wanted a parking spot. So I said, okay, I'll do PR. Um, so it ended up being a really crazy year at Florida State, which is actually where I went to school. We won a national championship. We had a school shooting and we also had um, a big like football scandal. So we like constantly had like ESPN, like knocking at sorority house doors for comments and things like that. So I actually was like pretty involved with like media training um, from our headquarters who was like coaching me on what to say to newspapers and TV outlets who were like literally showing up at our house, like waiting for comments. And that was actually my job to kind of handle that crisis communications role. So I actually got really interested in it then. So I picked up a second major of PR in addition to English. And that was what I went with. I graduated from Florida State in 2015. And I started my like full-time job two days after that. Um, I like literally drove to the city, like with all of my boxes in my car, stayed in the hotel and like started my job that Monday. Um, so I was supposed to be kind of like um, learning from someone for like six months, but within like two months, I actually took over the whole PR department and I was managing about four people underneath me who were all older than me. Um, so I started doing that and we were doing tons of press and media and publicity in like really large places, like places that me as like a 21 year old at that point, I was like, why am I here? How am I here? How am I doing all of this stuff? But it was really fun. I learned a lot and I started to really, really love it. Um, so after that, I kind of realized that I wanted to do something different. So I had a colleague who was the president of the Property Brothers on HGTV, if you've ever watched that show, he was the president of a new company they were starting. And I basically said, hey, do you want any help with PR stuff? He said, yes. Um, and so I started working with them on press and publicity and also with influencers, which is kind of how I got started in that world as well. So then in about July of this year, I was like, you know what? I've loved working for everyone. Everyone has been really cool and it has helped me meet so many people and just do things that like someone of my age had probably they shouldn't be doing technically. Um, so it was just really fun, but I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of building other people's brands for them. I kind of want to build something for myself. So I had always had my blog, which was slightly savvy where I talked about PR and I talked about working with brands and I kind of built that up. And I said, I think I want to do this full time. So in July of this year, I like basically quit and like quit everything um, and said, I'm just going to do this full time. And that was kind of my last seven months of really being full time on my own, a hundred percent. So were you nervous? Did you know that this was going to work or what was your thought process? So I will definitely say like, I didn't just jump and like fingers crossed hope I make money, um, you know, from having my blog and then having clients and having influencer clients and brand clients like on my own. I had already built it up basically where I had people like waiting on deck. I had um, programs that I had built that were still bringing in revenue. So I knew it would be profitable per se. It was scary. Like we were just talking about before the podcast of like finally running your own business and like there is no one to depend on for like a paycheck. So that is always a little bit nerve wracking in some capacities, but I don't think I was actually super nervous. I was actually very, very ready to kind of like ditch everyone, do things on my own and kind of like get out from there. So you kind of had this unique experience where you didn't expect to get into the PR world and then kind of just the situation around you lended itself to mm -hmm. that's what you ended up doing. 
So how did that help you in starting your own business, like your own experience with PR? What, what traits did you pull from that? Yeah. So that's a good question because I pulled a lot of traits from that. I basically like stepped back and kind of looked at my own business. And I was like, if I was a client, what would I do to myself? What would I say to myself and how would I grow it? Because I have seen the power of PR and publicity and just a simple few media mentions, like really being such a game changer for like companies and brands. So I basically looked at my own stuff and I said, what would I say to a brand to kind of like expedite things? Like, I'm not sure that I want to spend five years growing something like a lot of companies do. I don't really have that time. I kind of want to expedite it. And what would I say to someone who said that to me is like a paying client? Um, So I was able to focus on a few things that I think we're a little bit different than maybe what other people focus on. Like I did focus on PR and publicity as a main thing to start with, which kind of got me like some mentions and some guest appearances and things like that, that I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, you look at PR and you say like, I need to wait five years before I do something like this, or I could never be in Forbes because why, why would they write about me? Like I'm too small. I'm just starting out or there's more important people that they could ask for quotes. So I don't think entrepreneurs think PR or publicity is like a, a possibility for them truly. Um, so I would think I was able to pull that a little bit like ahead of schedule, if you will. That is amazing because it's so true that you said that people think that they need to wait X amount of time until people take mm-hmm. them seriously. When in reality, it's the opposite. Like the PR yeah. is going to yeah. get you to your goal faster. Absolutely. So let's talk about that because that's like the topic. That's the big question that everybody's really curious about. We are business owners. We have products that we want to get out into the world, but we might not have the audience that we feel like we need in order to really be successful, to replace our income, quit our job, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. So what do you recommend you do for that? Yeah. So I, I think it's so much simpler than so many people think. Um, and there's kind of three categories that no matter if I'm like thinking about press for a multi-million dollar tech startup or like me myself in like my home office, it really kind of comes down to like three things. And those things are number one, like what are the goals for your press? Two is a timeline. And three are those dream media placements. And in a lot of ways, it really is as simple as that. If you are an entrepreneur and you're just wondering how to get your name out there or your product, um, a really good place to start is to ask yourself, like, what is the goal of your press? Is it to drive more sales to your products? Is it just to get on more podcasts? Is it just to have something to put on your website? What is your goal? And that's going to help you kind of pick and choose where is the most important for you to be. Second is kind of that timeline portion in PR a lot of things are very, very like time constrained. There are events and deadlines and we work kind of with the seasons differently in some ways. So like if you wanted to pitch your product for something in March to be a part of like, I don't know, um, if if you had an app, which maybe that's a bad example. Um, Is that a bad example? What is an example that you're (laughs) have as an actual product? Um, In terms of what physical, what actual products they're selling, is that what you mean? Yeah, digital or physical, anything like that. Um, So a lot of our listeners are creating workshops. So they're recording Mm -hmm. something and they're selling it. It's not quite an online course, but it's kind of like the step between nothing to an online course. Gotcha. So if you were wanting and, and you were kind of living in this online space of like online entrepreneurship and you wanted to be in like 
best workshops of 2019 so far, something like that. And if you thought those would come out in March, or maybe if we were more at the end of the year, like we were previously, you want to be in those yearly review things, things like that. You need to start at least like six to eight weeks beforehand of like pitching yourself. And I think this is a thing a lot of people skip or just like simply don't know, but they'll come to me and say like, okay, well it's December 20th and I want to be in all the yearly reviews. Um, what should I say? And I'm like, well, <laughs> Like they wrote those like six weeks ago, like your, your time has passed. So pay attention to like your timeline. Again, if you have like a big launch coming up and maybe you want some personal press for yourself or your business in March, that pitching probably should start in like a week or two. Um, and just kind of work backwards from the date where you want to be mentioned and figure out when you need to start pitching yourself, when you need to start kind of like starting that process. And then third is really figuring out where is most, most valuable for you to be. So for online entrepreneurs, a lot of that is probably going to be the Forbes, the fast companies, entrepreneurs, inks, um, the small, more medium tiered publications online, or even just, you know, like yourself or like myself, places where other, if they're bloggers, if they're influencers, or just entrepreneurs in this um, as a category, where do they get info? Where do they hang out? Who are they trusting? And it doesn't have to be as huge as like a Gary Vee podcast. It could be um, other people in your niche. Like just where are people hanging out that you would want to be in front of? And it's as simple as like making a list, finding some emails, finding contact info for them, reaching out to them and just pitching yourself. So that's kind of the three things that they can do goals timeline and then figuring out really where you want to be. And you can totally DIY your own press without hiring someone who's extremely expensive or a firm who's also very expensive. So let's just, I want to ask you like a very foundational question. Yes. Um, when you say press, mm -hmm. give us some examples of what press is. So for you guys listening, I think it's going to be like old fashioned media mentions. So like these days, I think it could be a podcast, um, and you know, write up in Forbes, a write up in Inc, a write up in Fast Company. I don't think probably many of us are trying to get on TV per se. So like that's probably not a thing. So I look at press differently, kind of for again what your goals are, who you are, what business do you have. For some more traditional people, um, press to them is being on a radio show, on a TV show. To us that's probably not critical. It's probably podcasts, blogs, um, online publications like a Forbes, all of those guys. So I think it depends a little bit on kind of who you are and like what your business is. But I think for all of us, it is like a lot of online press these days. Mm -hmm. What about guest posts? Would you say a guest post opportunity is press? Totally. Um, I think guest posts are a hundred percent a form of press. Um, you're posting or writing something for someone else's audience. You're getting in front of them. You're getting mentioned by them. To me, press is like kind of loosely defined as like some, you're getting mentioned, you're getting promoted, you're getting in front of another audience. That's not your own. Like I would say this podcast would be like press for me or like you being on someone else's podcast would be press for you. So I think I wouldn't, if I was, you know, doing this myself, I wouldn't bog myself down with like worrying exactly what fit into like a category of press, what didn't. It's really like about exposure at the end of the day. And like, if that, you know, whatever it is, if it is exposing you to a larger audience in my book, it's press. I love that. A lot of what I always teach to um, my clients and customers is that it's all about using media mentions to kind of position yourself as the expert that you know you yeah. already are. 
are. You know you're the expert, but people mm -hmm. out there in the world don't necessarily know. Do you find that that's true? Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the whole goal of like PR press at the end of the day. And I think it's funny too that we deal with these with this issue as like single entrepreneurs ourselves and also companies like super large companies literally deal with the same problems themselves of like where do we want to show up you know what are we messaging ourselves as so if you're ever worried like oh my gosh everyone has it figured out and like i'm the only one who doesn't know I've worked with like companies who I walked in and I was like, how do you guys not know this? Like, I would think you, you a hundred percent have this down pat. Like, so why is all this a shock to you? So I would say a lot of people, I guess, are more confused and in the dark about PR slash press than you think. So I wouldn't worry if you feel confused too. Yeah. If you're already focusing on PR, you're one step ahead of most people, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you are like light years ahead of a lot of people and a comment I hear a lot is like, well, I don't want it to feel like scammy and I don't want to like, you know, pressure someone into writing about me. And I think that that's a fear that like us as solo entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it, have that we're going to push someone to write about us and they don't want to write about us or it's going to be bad or it's going to not come off the way we want. And I think that for that, as long as you're pitching yourself in the right way, and we can talk about that if you want, as long as you're pitching yourself to reporters, journalists, um, other bloggers, other podcasters, whoever it is, as long as you're pitching yourself in the right way, I don't think there's a whole lot that can ever truly go wrong actually with trying to get publicity for yourself. That's a great way to look at it. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about the pitching process. What's the formula to follow there? Brief interruption to remind you to spread the love. Pause the podcast, take a quick screenshot, share it to Instagram, and share one thing that you've learned so far about PR, or ask one question that you have about PR. Be sure to tag Catherine and tag myself so that we can find your post, share it, and respond to it. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, so I think that obviously a basis of getting any press, you have to ask, you have to pitch yourself. And a lot of people are like very, very concerned with what they're going to say and like how they're going to say it. And is it going to be wrong? Is it going to be bad? And when I was kind of starting out as a publicist pitching to reporters and journalists, I definitely like worried about that too. I was terrified it was going to be wrong. I was terrified it was going to be bad. But what I learned was you just have to send that email. You have to get it out there and come at it from the best place you can of a, offering value and B, trying to solve a problem for them first. And then asking for that publicity for yourself is kind of a secondary point. And not being super attached if someone like doesn't respond or maybe they say no, not getting so emotionally attached to that. It's hard, but it's like the best thing that you can do if you're really pitching yourself like for anything. Yeah, it can be kind of overwhelming if you're getting tons of no's and you're emotionally attached to that. Mm -hmm. But I always say that you're doing the right thing in your life and in your business if you're getting a lot of no's. Totally. If you're not yeah. getting a lot of no's, like what are you even doing? <laughs> Someone once told me like a quote or like just something they made up, but they were like, if everyone is telling you that they love the idea and it's amazing, then you're on the wrong path. If people are telling you that they hate the idea and it's crazy and it'll never work, you're on the right path. So sometimes that's maybe not horribly right, but I try to listen to that sometimes. Well, in business and entrepreneurship, I feel like our society values getting a job working for somebody else and not so much the entrepreneurial journey, especially before you're you're actually successful. Oh, so totally. I'm, I'm sure your family has looked at you over the holidays and been like, 
so what do you do? Like, (laughs) yeah, like, so what do you do all day? It's like what I get from like extended family. They're like, you just like, you do Instagram, right? Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, kind of, that's it. (laughs) Sure. The important thing is that we know there's a lot more behind the scenes that happens. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you're right that until kind of you you get those things that, you know, people outside of our space can recognize as like accomplishments. And a lot of that um, sometimes is press. Like the minute that you get a write-up in a Forbes roundup, I would bet that your family and friends would be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, what have you been doing this whole time? And you're like, well, like working, you know, myself to the bone, but <laughs> just working. It's fine. Yeah, just working. It's fine. Um, okay. So this all sounds great, but it kind of sounds like a ton of work. Is mm-hmm. there a way that you can kind of boil this down to like how much time we should be spending on this, especially let's say we're about to launch, you know, mm-hmm. before a launch, how much time should we be spending on PR? Yeah. So it is always time consuming. That's why PR firms and agencies are like very oversized and bloated these days, like in the traditional PR world, um, because they have a lot of staff. They have a lot of people who do a lot of things that go into PR. But when you're DIYing it, when you're doing it yourself, you have to make it as simple and as streamlined as you possibly can. So one thing that I try to do constantly throughout the year is to just keep a running list of like places that I want to be in, people that I want to connect with. And it can be like as simple as keeping a notes app in your phone um, of people that you want to get in front of, connect with, blah, 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 and just keeping track of it. And when you can, finding their email address. And that's like a big thing. Sometimes it can take a lot of times, um, a lot of time. Now, a lot of us have it on our Instagram bio. So it's an easy thing to like hit that email button copy and paste it, keep it in your notes um, as you're sitting at like the doctor's office or wherever. So when you're back at your computer, you're not spending an hour trying to like track that down. So making it easy on yourself by keeping track. So you're not sitting there like four weeks before launch and you're like, okay, I need to be in all these places where, how do I even start? Um, Second, I think that if you are before a launch or something like that, where press is probably more important than usual, it just has to be really carved into your schedule. If it's as simple as an hour every Tuesday, you sit down and fire off 30 emails or 20 emails, sitting down and doing that um, and just kind of copy and pasting your pitch can go a, a really long way in kind of getting that ball rolling with press because a lot of it is about momentum too. So sometimes if you land two things, um, others will come because of that. So it literally, it really is a snowball in a lot of ways. Like that's what we talk about all the time is like, the snowball of like the momentum that you get from just one or two placements can really, really bring some other cool opportunities your way just organically. Now, do you, you mentioned kind of volume a little bit. Do you have any recommendations on how many places to reach out to? I obviously know the answer is as many as you can, right? But realistically, if we were to send 100 emails Um, how many responses could we expect? How many yeses could we expect? So I think that'll really depend on how well your pitch is crafted. And at what point does the quality of your pitch go down where the number of yeses you're going to get, you know, is going to go down as well. So wherever that like kind of line of demarcation is, maybe don't cross that because at that point it might be a waste of your time. If you could nail down like, and I know this sounds like a lot in a way, but you find them faster than you think sometimes. If you could find like 15 to 20 
really key places that you want to be mentioned in or that you want to collaborate with, if it's another podcast or it's a more traditional thing like a Forbes needs to write about you, if you can find 15 to 20 individual people that you can have on deck to reach out to and really write a strong pitch that A, like addresses their pain and B, offers them kind of some value for their own work in return. I think you'll see a lot of success by doing that, that number. Okay, cool. Now, do you use any tools or applications to kind of track all of this? So uh, in terms of like true PR media monitoring, um, if you're really, really looking for like mentions of your brand, there is a software called Mention. Um, I think it's mention.us. And that is actually a really good tool for seeing where you are literally mentioned around the web. Because as solo people, a lot of times we don't have PR teams scouring the internet for mentions of our blog or mentions of our business. So that is a really good kind of aggregator of you might be mentioned on a blog that you have no idea of. Um, In terms of finding journalist emails, if you're like truly going that journalist reporter route, um, Muckrack is really good. It is free, I'm pretty sure. And sometimes I'll do even some like old school, like LinkedIn um, searching for email addresses too. In terms of like keeping track of pitching and things like that, I personally use Trello and like Google Sheets to track literally like everything I do. So I'll use like a combination blend of those guys. Yeah, I've done a lot of outreach and I have pretty much stick, uh, stuck to the Google spreadsheets thing, but it can get a little bit chaotic. Yeah, it can definitely get chaotic. I mean, I like currently have an Excel sheet of over like now it's like 3000 brands that I constantly am having my intern or whoever is my assistant, like at that semester, update that and grab new emails and update names and things like that. So if you can afford it, I like having someone who can do this bulk of like time consuming work for you for a cheaper price, like an intern or an assistant, because I like a hundred percent do not want to be spending eight hours of like a full work day searching for emails. Like that's not the best use of my skill set. It's not the best to use for your skill set. So if you could find an intern, um, I found a lot of interns on Upwork who for $10 an hour, they do like true list building and I can give them these, you know, 35 publications say, Hey, I need a contact email for their PR department, their marketing department, or their editorial. And they'll find them. And then I'll be able to kind of do what I do best, which is like crafting that specific pitch, sending it and kind of communicating with their on with them on out. Versus like me digging through um, LinkedIn myself or like muckrack myself for hours. That's such a great idea. I've actually done something similar where I reached out to a local university and found a marketing student. Oh, um, I love that. Who obviously wanted to boost their resume um, and, you know, it's cheap labor, but Mm -hmm. it helps them. So, you know, they're getting compensated in a lot of other ways. And I'll say too, like I've had good success with college interns. My sister just graduated from Florida State. So about every like semester, I would text her and say, hey, do any of your friends want to make $10 an hour who knows something about like social media marketing? They're somewhat interested in it. And a lot of them are interested in that kind of stuff. And they're honestly pretty smart. So I was able to give a lot of interns things that are time consuming, like list building and finding emails that I don't want to do and just hand it off to them. And they did a good job. Yeah, I think that's great, especially when we're talking about DIYing PR. That doesn't mean that you can't hire out certain aspects of the outreach process. Yeah. Money, but spending just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, again, you're spending it where 
anyone can find an email address that doesn't take a lot of expertise, but you honing in on what that person that you're pitching to needs and also you honing in on the own messaging behind your product, your workshop, whatever it is that you're trying to promote, even your personal brand, you spending time on that is so much more valuable than you trying to like piece together someone's email and like guess the characters and like find, find their contact info. So I have to ask, this may seem like a tiny detail, but it is actually really important. So a lot of people say the fortune is in the follow-up. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. curious about what your perspective is because I've had people pitching me for things and some people will follow up the next day, the day after, the day after, and then some people will follow up like one week, two weeks, three weeks mm -hmm. out. So what is the sweet spot with the follow-up? So... Honestly, I don't actually focus on a follow-up too much because if you can really hit it hard, like that first email you sent, hopefully you'll get a response and you don't even need to follow up. But if worst case scenario, somebody like doesn't get back to you, I like to give people a week before I really follow up. You can use things um, like HubSpot to track when people open your email. So like over the holidays, I think if someone didn't get back to you for eight days, that wouldn't be something I would be alarmed at, especially if I was using HubSpot to track like if they even opened my email. So I like to say a week for like kind of waiting to follow up if you truly didn't get a response, you saw they opened your email. And I think that in follow-ups, one thing that I like learned the hard way was to give them something new. So like when you send somebody an email that just says like, hey, following up, thanks. That doesn't make me any more enticed to open your email to respond to you. Like you, you already said that, like I get it, you're following up. So if I am following up with a brand or someone like that, I will try to give them something new to work with. So like if, for example, I was pitching my own podcast for like a sponsorship with a, a brand, and they hadn't responded to me in a while, I would follow up with something new. Like, hey, I just crossed this threshold. Um, I just booked this guest for the next two months. Something that could pique their interest a little bit more than me just saying like, hey, following up, bumping this up to your inbox, like whatever that phrase is, and give them something new to work with and like get excited about where they say, oh, we didn't answer her. Let's answer her now. So true. I actually just did that same thing where I'm following up. I'm getting sponsors for mm -hmm. my virtual summit. And I secured a, a presenting sponsor. So now I'm following up with the people who hadn't responded yet saying, yep. oh, by the way, we already secured the presenting sponsor spot. So, uh, but you know, there's X, Y, and Z opening still available. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives them a sense of urgency. Oh, well. I love that. I love like a competition, like urgency angle where um, we used to do that a lot actually in um, pitching to press because they're very competitive for stories and angles and hooks and things like that. Quotes are like a big deal to them. So if I had a story that finally somebody agreed to write about, I would follow up with every other publication and be like, hey, so we secured TechCrunch to break the story for us, but would you like to be on the next day? And as soon as they see kind of that social proof of like, oh, TechCrunch is doing it or whoever your presenting sponsor is, oh my gosh, they're doing that huge sponsorship. They're a lot more inclined to be like, this is important. This is a big deal. Um, let's get on board too. It's like FOMO, like but mm -hmm. FOMO, but in the business world. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love uh, taking advantage of that in a way, in a nice way. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So kind of wrapping it up, bringing it all together. Do you have any tips, tricks, words of advice for anybody listening who just hasn't really taken the step to start working on PR, mm -hmm. but is interested? So a lot of like a big question I always get when I'm like 
you know, handing this advice over like on Instagram DM and like as brief a way as like I can give it to somebody. They're like, well, I'm afraid someone's going to say no. And kind of like what we said earlier, a hundred percent, I guarantee you people are going to say no to you. And that is the best thing for you. You learn what pitch works, what pitch doesn't. Are you seeing a lot of no's when you, um, you know, pitched around this time of year? Like you can start to see trends and patterns, but never go into pitching and kind of doing press and publicity thinking you're going to hear all yeses because you will have your heart broken for sure, which I have had many times where as a, a, like a newbie, when I was first starting out, I was like, this is an amazing story. I know it's amazing. Um, These 10 people are going to write about it and they're going to say yes. And then when five of them said no, I was like heartbroken about it. And I just learned that a hundred percent you were going to get no's when you are pitching for press. And the sooner you can kind of get over that and kind of accept it that you will say no. And all that matters is the ones who say yes. I, f- I think you'll be a lot more confident and a lot more willing to kind of get yourself out there and at least try it. If you're not expecting t- like a 100%, you know, response rate, which is pretty unrealistic. And the thing is, you guarantee a no if you don't even send that email. Totally. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite quotes to like throw back at people too. I'm like, well, you're guaranteed a no if you never pitch it. So even if you hear no, you're still at the same spot you were. Like you didn't lose anything. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. So tell us where our listeners can find you online. Yeah. So I run a podcast for bloggers and influencers called Swipe Up. So we talk about things like Instagram, social media, a lot of like working with brands. If you have like a podcast or a blog or something in kind of the influencer space. So you can check that out. It's called Swipe Up. It's on everywhere that you find podcasts. So if you want to listen to that, check it out. Um, And if you like this episode, I'd love to hear what you think on Instagram. My handle is just at slightly savvy. Awesome. Thank you so much for kind of spending the last 30 minutes with me. Really appreciate it. And I know our listeners are just going to love all the info on PR. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Rebels, you just listened to episode 13 of the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast with our incredible guest, Catherine from Slightly Savvy and the Swipe Up podcast. If you loved Catherine and you love the information that she provided you with today, you're going to want to show her some love. So go check her out on Instagram. She's got tons of great information there, and she's also just a lot of fun to follow. Go take a listen to her podcast, Swipe Up. You can find it pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out her website, and if you want to learn more from her in a more organized visual basis, make sure that you save your seat to the Rebel Boss Virtual Summit presented by Deadline Funnel, hosted by me. That is happening at the end of February, and guess what? Your girl Catherine is a speaker at that event, and she's got a great presentation all set and ready for you to go. She's going to be talking about how you can build buzz online before you launch your digital products so that by the time you launch, you're going to have an audience filled with people waving their credit cards at you and ready to buy. Doesn't that sound like every girl's dream? Yeah, it does. So go save your seat. Rebelbosses.com. It is 100% free. Again, that's rebelbosses.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep kicking ass. Keep putting in the work. And Rebels, you know the drill keep showing up.